This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Groves and I am joined this week by Mr. John Javicki. Hello, John. Hello. <laughs> He's already <laughs> fucked. <laughs> He's immediately fucked. Excellent. All we can hear is that we'll get into it later, yeah. right? <laughs> oh my god. We spent the last five minutes just dying before this podcast goes live. It's going to be a good one, folks. We are also joined by Mr. JD Daniel. Hello, JD. Hello, I'm dressed fresh home from my normal day job as a Marvel salesman. <laughs> God's sake. If, if there's a clip of this that goes up on YouTube, then you will see that two of us are dressed for the Into the Paddock podcast, and one of us is dressed for a meeting. Like, <laughs> Actually, um, uh, John's dressed um, Penske Perfect, so he's... Um, that's right. You're going for bonus points with the Beemans. Actually, yeah, it needs just... to be a McLaughlin shirt, but yeah, that's the next one <laughs> I got to add to the list. But uh, I've got my New Garden shirt on today, and my bandwagon track house, <laughs> uh, uh, Van Ginsbergen hat, limited edition. I don't know if it's limited edition or not, but uh, <laughs> I saw the hat. I joined the hype train, so I'm on. I'm just happy to be be back on with you guys. It's been a rough couple weeks with the uh, kids and sickness. And, and I just told my, my daughter, I said, quit being a fucking baby and get over it. And said, I don't know, my wife didn't like that very much, though. So. How old Gosh. is she again? So they left me. That's why I'm here doing the podcast. <laughs> how, how, just to remind everyone, how old is your daughter again? Uh, she'll be three months here. Uh, <laughs> no. You're just I'm like, just just trying to be a fucking baby. Jesus you know, Christ. I just want her to grow up and be, you know, a strong, independent woman. So, you know, the more I can kind of, you know, you know, hammer it into her young, the better she's going to be when she grows up. So, I don't know if that was the right... Anyways, it's good to be back on the show, guys. <laughs> well, this will be his last appearance before he gets. Yep, child services is calling. All right, see you guys. I mean, I know you can be president from jail, but can you be a podcast host from jail? We'll find out, I guess. Make Andrew, it it's probably something Andrew Tate's done. Um, anyway, before I before we ruin every hope of us having any more episodes in the future, let's make the most of John being here whilst he's not in jail. Um, Let's start the episode talking about IMSA at Road America. Oh, uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about IMSA at Road America. That is the reason that Greg isn't here this week, because obviously mm-hmm. he's he was doing his usual um, activities with Core Motorsports. We'll get into how they did in the Michelin Pilot Challenge race in a little bit. Um, 
he was due to be back, but his flight got cancelled. So, um, yes, hopefully he will be back next week um, on the Into the Paddock podcast, uh, where he can talk about Road America uh, then as well. On to IMSA at Road America, uh, starting off with the WeatherTech series, which I think is, is we would all agree perhaps was, it wasn't boring. It was just kind of steady, Is maybe is the word I'm looking for. It was a good race, but it wasn't a banger like we've come to expect this year. Mm. Yeah, but better better than Formula One by a, a, a margin. I've just seen what John's brought up on his screen. I'm gonna die. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, way, way better than like Formula One or any of the normal boring races that we talk about on this show. Um, but yeah, it was, it was perhaps the first race of the year that was a little tame, perhaps. Um, I was expecting more yellows too, with how qualifying went. It seemed uh, there's a lot of green flag running, and you know, sometimes when there's not enough cautions, there's not enough mix-ups and and restarts. So, but um, I don't know. I, I'm always partial to him, so I still think like a race like Road America is still, you know, ten times more entertaining than watching Formula One, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> that's just my opinion. No, but, I think it's a good opinion. I mean. I think we even saw with the IndyCar race, this re- repave of Road America really is going to take at least a year. One of those good Wisconsin winners to get that track to stay where it will produce, you know, the racing that we're accustomed to. But even still, with it being a quote-unquote down session for Road America, it was still a, a decently entertaining race. Yeah, definitely, and and yeah, the, I think the new surface was kind of the main, as you say, it was the, the main reason it might have been a little bit. I don't, I don't want to say duller, but but I'm just going to keep going with tamer because I think that that's the best way to put it. I think that that was the main reason. You know, we saw whilst the lap times were quick in qualifying, uh, all the, all the different classes set lap records, not just because GTP is a new class, but still, um, it was still a second. The, the pole time set by Pippa Durrani in the number 31 Wheel and Engineering Cadillac was still almost a second quicker than the DPI lap record from 2019. So the surface was quicker. It's just kind of offline was a bit scary. Um, what we saw during the race, you know, the higher downforce cars weren't really able to utilize the the outside line on corners to pass traffic, for example. You know, I think the new surface just kind of contributed to that. But yeah, as you say, I, I think give it give it a couple of years, maybe even by next year, that track is going to be scary. <laughs> <laughs> with how fast it is um yeah so probably one of my favorite american tracks by far oh, it, it's, just, it's my favorite it. american road course for sure absolutely love it it's top three top three yeah yeah behind vir no uh, <laughs> yes yes it is <laughs> oh, no it's not behind vir <laughs> <laughs> go on trigger people what's the top three uh I got no particular order for the top three. Your orders are relevant, but Road America, Watkins Glen. You know, I really do enjoy Indy. I know it gets a bad rap by people, but, but once you get the flow of the track, it's actually really nice, and it can make some really good racing. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I love I it. I know people, that, people, <laughs> people are going to be upset because they'll be like, oh, Sebring or Daytona. But the racing, though is really good at Indy. 
I'm sorry. I love indie. Yeah, uh, you're probably in the booth with one of the only people that is out that would that would put indie in his top three as well. I definitely. The, the biggest problem indie has in terms of optics, like why people hate it, is because NASCAR drivers don't know how to take a freaking right hand turn. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's the only reason people don't like it is because NASCAR sucks. Yeah. What else is there? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I, I don't have anything against the indie road course whatsoever, and I, I don't mind it. That just to, if it's top three for me, it's it's Road America, it's uh, Sebring, and probably Road Atlanta. Like I, I just think for like actual tracks. Like I know Daytona is obviously Daytona, and I do like it, but um, you know those those are my three. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, Forza Motorsport ruined Road Atlanta for me, so I can't. Facts. <laughs> I just can't like it, but it's great. Um, we'll end up talking a lot more about the Indy Road Course next week because that's basically the only racing action we have. But back to this week. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, all of the classes basically had lap records. Uh, Pippa Durrani got pole for wheel and engineering in GTP. Um, then you had on pole in LMP2, CrowdStrike Racing with George Kurtz. Um, Sean Creech Motorsport took pole in LMP3, but who the hell really cares? Uh, Heart of Racing Team got another pole position in GTD Pro with Ross Gunn and uh, Alex Ribeiras. And then the GTD pole went to Paul Miller Racing with um, Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. Then the race itself. And for GTP... um, I couldn't watch a lot of the race. Like I, I tuned in here and there because I wasn't at home. But whenever I was watching, the number seven portion was leading by various intervals. Um, at one point, I believe they had over a 10-second lead over the car behind, which I think at the time was also the uh, Mayor Shank Racing Acura. Um, ultimately, they would win. Um, and so far, they've kept it. So that's good. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you never know. Three months time, right. you might get a um, might get a penalty like Daytona. So so who knows? They ultimately ended up winning by just four point six seconds. I believe I, I asked around, and I believe this was largely just to fluctuations in traffic. As we said, it was yeah. harder for them to make the most of the the aerodynamic grip they have. Um, yeah, it was. But um, yeah, ho- hopefully the first kept win for Porsche. Um, <laughs> that's right what what did we think yet another race and yet another car that looked the most dominant i love it i mean the it's you know the 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 ability it's almost like the old football scene any given sunday right like any team can go out on a on a weekend and win and i think that's what i love so much you know about imsa about um, you know, this new GTP category, like, you know, a, it's brought so many new manufacturers to the, to the series. And then B it's like that they're all competitive. You know, each one of them is, has, have they all got a win? I think each, um, each manufacturer by now, I think so. Right. Yes. Yeah. Every, every manufacturer yeah. got at least one so far. So, um, you know, and I know that we, in, in contrast, uh, I know it's a different sport, Formula One, but you know it, it's it's nice watching a race and and not knowing who's going to win versus you know the the de facto Verstappen uh, rocket ship that's going to win 
of course, I must qualify. I, I just remembered that Porsche also won Long Beach, but that's not the point. First win for the second. Oh, that's right. Anyway, but um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's 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 funny how this championship keeps going from every weekend. It's a different manufacturer. You know, the last the last three races, uh, last four races, sorry, have been won by a different manufacturer: uh, Road America, Porsche, Most Sport, Mayor Shank Racing in the Acura, Watkins Glen. The BMW ended up inheriting that win. Cadillac at Laguna and then back to Porsche again at Long Beach. So it, it, it's nice to see competitiveness. Who'd have thought? It, it really shows how thorough and a good job the IMSA technical team has done in doing the, not only creating the regulations for GTP, but then also the BOP they've been implementing over the season after each round to try to keep it competitive between the teams. And it also shows the quality of the teams themselves to keep on trying to dig and, and, each team ebbing and flowing, having different strengths and weaknesses when it comes to each round. Um, and then just going to the, back to the race itself, I mean, it really showed the big differences between the GTP cars and the older DPI cars from last year. Like, I know the surface this year played a big difference, but remember watching last year, like the DPI cars going through the carousel, they're slicing and dicing through GT traffic this year. The GTPs, you can see they don't have as much downforce. You can see they're heavier and they have to stay and stay behind GT three cars before heading to the kink. Like it was, you could really see how hampered they were. Like, like you said, like at the end uh, the, the Porsche, he had like a 10 second lead. It got cut down to like four because he ran into a line of like five cars I think we saw uh, the Acura earlier in the race was trying to chase down the Porsche. He got within a second, then he got stuck behind a Porsche going through the carousel that royally effed him over towards the end, and he lost three seconds. Like it, the the traffic was a major contributor to um to all the hypercars or GTPs and how they could actually race against each other. It was it was really interesting to see how which drivers were better at picking through the traffic, but all of them were you could tell we're definitely on risk management because of the low grip and lower amounts of downforce. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. Um, it was, yeah, ultimately it was, uh, the, the Porsche on the, on the top step surrounded by two Acuras. It was only really the mayor shank racing team that were able to kind of keep anywhere near close the gap behind. Um, but, but, but the gap between first and third was 35 seconds, uh, back to the Konica Minolta Acura. Um, Everyone else, like, I, I don't know. I guess I guess those two cars just kind of had a march over everybody else. Um, everyone else was kind of under a blanket uh, of about a minute or so, to be fair. Uh, the um, other, It was interesting to me that the other two Porsches weren't really in contention. I, I don't know whether I missed something that happened to them, but the number six ended up a minute 45 off of the lead, which is not far off of a lap. And uh, the Proton Competition Porsche was just behind it in eighth, a, a minute 47 off. So I, I guess Matty Campbell and Felipe Nazi just had Weetabix in the morning. I'm not sure <laughs> what the difference was there. Yeah, I, I knew the, the, uh, Go ahead. Um, the, I know this was early on, um, what was it, Rockenfeller and the JDC Miller Motorsports made a pretty, <clears throat> pretty late dive and, um, I'm blowing it now. What turn is that? Um, the turn one, two, three. Is it turn four or five? The, the, the real heavy downhill braking section. It's technically five. I'd it's call it three, ten. but their bullshit means it's five. Right, right exactly. <laughs> so, 
um, I think it was on, was it on the BMW? Kind of slid in by him in the grass, but then that was like the last time I saw any highlights um, of the JDC Miller car. But no, I, I think it also needs to be said that the um, the, the Whalen engineering Cadillac kind of lucked out too, being the, being that the, the, um, the BMW pulled an iRacer or an iRacing move where it basically spun out on the outlet. <laughs> yes, I completely forgot to mention because whilst Arani got pole, they crashed in warm up, right. I believe it was, and, yep. Yep. and and that put them um, behind, basically. But as you say, the first caution kind of helped them out, um, and they managed to recover to uh, sixth in the end on the lead lap, right. which all things considered, considering how the car was and how much they had to change between warm-up in the race, which is not a lot of time in IMSA. Uh, that was quite a heroic um, effort. But, um, yeah, you mentioned BMW. Um, bad day for them. Bad, Very bad. day <laughs> for, for them, <laughs> exactly. Um, the 25 spun on the pace lap, um, which, mean, which meant it had to start the race behind everybody else um, and get pulled out of the gravel. Lol. Um, managed to get through all of the GT traffic in the first two laps and then completely shagged it into the barrier outside of the kink. Um, yep, yep. Ending the race after just four laps. I racing 101 right there. <laughs> Cold tires, heavy fuel. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't much better for the 24 because they, um, co- they coasted to a stop with some kind of mechanical issue after 55 laps or so. Um, came into the pits and that's where they stayed for the remaining 35 laps ish. So, you know, we, we said a couple of weeks ago after BMW got their uh, first win at a track that's eluding me, uh, Watkins Glen, um, you know, we said they were on the up and they have been, but you know, every team is capable of a complete meltdown, you know, sort of like how Conica Minolta just were nowhere at Watkins Glen. Um, this was BMW's bogey track. I, I, I would guess. My God. Yeah, it was rough. Very rough. Uh, for the Porsches, for JDC and for Proton, I did learn today listening to Marshall Pruitt and us, um, John Goodwin on their podcast, that just because they're Porsche customer teams doesn't mean that Penske Porsche, they don't share data with any of their customer teams. Every team is on their own. So mm. just because one of the Porsches does well doesn't mean that the other Porsches get that information so i thought that was pretty interesting to see especially since they're the only manufacturer with an extensive customer Mm. support network right now in gtp yeah that's interesting and i wonder how much that's helped them considering a lot of times this year the customers have been quicker not just in imsa but in wec as well we've seen multiple occasions where the customers have been the class of the field but that does surprise me in an era of, of gtp where you know everybody's learning the new cars it does surprise me that there isn't more collaboration from the ones that have got customer entrance. Um, I wonder if that's a Penske preferential thing or whether that's something that Porsche have suggested. I I would assume that Porsche would probably want them to all work collaboratively. Given the tight ship that we know Roger runs, I wonder whether that's kind of his doing. I do feel like that's a Penske thing. It it sounds... We've seen them do that in all the other series they're involved in. Like with NASCAR, they try to hog as much of Ford as they can. IndyCar, I assume Chevy builds their engines for them. And then everyone else with Chevy's like, well, this is what Penske wants. <laughs> so, 
but yeah, other than that, kind of not, you know, great great for uh, for the number seven Porsche uh, to get the win, but yeah, kind of a lonely one for them. Um, LMP2, uh, I've completely lost where it has gone on my timesheets now. Uh, Mattison Motorsports would manage to overhaul CrowdStrike Racing. I don't know, again, didn't get to see much of it. What happened to the pole sitters in LMP2? Because they ended up a lap down in seventh. Um, I, I don't recall where they went. <laughs> I don't think I remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm ashamed to say I, I don't remember. Like, that's. That's how meh of a race this was, and I hate to say that because IMSA usually <laughs> delivers, and it was like you're on your edge of your seat the whole time, but this time I was just like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a shame that um, the uh, LMP2s, whilst they consistently provide some of the best racing, we don't really see too much of them on the coverage. I'm reading that they had a late race puncture and a oh, host of yeah. other issues which um, put them last by the end of the race. The, um, the host of other issues is being held up by crappy LMP3s in the <laughs> worst possible places. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Um, so yeah, um, Keating and Shatan would take their first win of the season for PR1 Madison with the the two TDS racing oracles of Fal van der Garde, Thomas and Jensen uh, rounding out the podium there. Um, LMP3, uh, whilst it was Sean Creech that would get pole position and would lead much of the race, they were passed within the final 45 minutes by the ever-winning 74 car, the Riley of uh, Robinson and Burden, who would go on to claim yet another win in the LMP3 class. Uh, they have won every race but Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah, my God. Car Robinson gives me hope because he's a... He's a husky guy, and uh, he's he's winning these races, so it gives me hope. Nice. <laughs> I might have to start paying a little bit more attention to the LMP3. Well, is this the last? Yeah, this is last year. Okay. Well, or no, last. Do they have one more race? They they're both they're at uh, Indianapolis and Atlanta. Okay, so, so two more. You, you've so. got two more opportunities to pay attention to so. them in WeatherTech. <laughs> well, I'll only just pay attention to the the future Corvette customer team AWA, I guess. But oh, yes, I don't yes, know if you guys cool. covered that last last week or not, but something, something that's more of a John thing. Yeah, that's more <laughs> of a, a yellow Ferrari kind of guy sort of thing. So. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> um, GTD, um, it was a back to back win from pole for Heart of Racing, uh, Heart of Racing's 23 in the GTD Pro class with a uh, gun and Aston Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, they would win by a lap. I'm assuming that was more because of um, where the leaders were in relation to them. Um, they would end up finishing, uh, yeah, a lap ahead of the second place car of the Vassar Sullivan number 14 and the number three Corvette of Garcia and Taylor. Um, I can see uh, John's dejected little face there so frustrating <laughs> frustrating <laughs> no i thought it was like they were running the good i mean i think i think they had the pace to make it interesting at the end i think the the aston did look strong and then um then they they fucked something up with the uh the gas fueling time or something and I, and like i had hope because they were you know they called the penalty and I'm watching. I was watching on my iPad while driving my son around, which I probably shouldn't do. But anyways, uh, yeah, maybe don't admit uh, that on a podcast. It's okay. I'm in insurance, so. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I'm like, oh, they're like, they they cut cut the broadcast. Of course, I was watching on Peacock like a fucking idiot. But um, cut the broadcast. They come back. Yeah, Corbett still hasn't come into the pits yet for the, for that penalty. I think they're protesting it. And then they cut away to, to commercial again. And they cut back, and I saw the Corvette dropping down the tops. Like, no, I had I had hope that maybe maybe there was an, an off chance that they it was wrong, but it's alas, tough. it wasn't. <laughs> it's tough. Um, <laughs> so if you hold on to the line, John, I will go and get my manager for you to talk to them. Yes, please. <laughs> I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> the one guy dressed here for customers. This is bullshit. <laughs> Um, and it was another win from pole in uh, GTD as well as um, Formula Racing in the number one BMW were able to hold on to win by just two seconds ahead of the Inception McLaren uh, with Team Courtauld Motorsports in the Mercedes, the 32 of Skeen and Grenier coming back from a, a big crash in practice to take the final spot on the podium. Um, where that leaves the championships, uh, GTP is led by... Uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, Konica Minolta Racing with Andretti Autosport. Whilst they've not had a, an official win yet this season, um, they should have been credited the Daytona win, but yes. IMSA, good job. Um, they've been consistent enough where they're still leading the championship by about tw- say 13 points-ish. Not much. 2171 compared to 2157. You can do the maths because I'm bad at it. Uh, Wheelan Engineering, uh, currently their closest challenger in second with the BMW, the 25 in third. Um, you've got to think if, if you, uh, this is always the way in motorsports, if you get rid of their worst results, they're doing good. Who'd have thought? Right. But, you know, when you <laughs> consider the run of form that that 25 BMW has been on, you know, second in Sebring, second in Long Beach, first at Watkins Glen, third at Sport. When you consider how they started at Daytona, they've really put together a decent season. So that's really quite impressive. Um, so it's a shame the 24 hasn't been quite as lucky, having not yet stood on the podium. Um, then in LMP2, it's PR1 Matthews and Motorsports who lead by 45 points out of TDS Racing. They also have Indianapolis and Atlanta to go. LMP3, uh, Riley Motorsports are crushing it ahead of everybody. Uh, again, IMSA and Road Atlanta to go for them. Uh, GTD Pro, uh, the Vassar Sullivan guys, the 14, are leading by, I believe it was 169 points ahead of the number three Corvette with not nice. just Indianapolis and Atlanta to go, but also Virginia, as they have another pointless GT only round coming up there in a few, in a few weeks. And in GTD Daytona, it is Paul Miller Racing leading by about 200 and s- 208 points. Uh, ahead of the heart of racing Aston Martin. Yikes. They got to be close to clinching it. That, that's just because they've won what four races this year. Uh, too many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> four. <laughs> you get 350 points for a win in um, IMSA. So okay. it, it's, it's still open, but you know, barring a complete disaster, I, I don't see them losing it really. Yeah. Um, but we shall see how it goes for them. Um, Moving on, well, we're staying at Road America, but moving on to the Mission Pilot Challenge race, which I believe we've all said, I know me and JD have, but I'd be interested to hear what you say about this, John. Race of the weekend, I think, not just in, in, uh, in oh, yeah. but I overall, agree. I would say this was the race of the weekend. So uh, it's, it's, um, 
the amount of entertainment that value out of the Michelin pilot races is, is this year, in my opinion, has been the best so far as far as is rent. And that's coming from someone that's maybe been watching them for two years, <laughs> but, but, but um, you know, it's, it's very entertaining. And I think, you know, we've got some, some skin in the game with obviously with our, our co-host Greg um, being with core and, you know, us sim racing guys that some of us like to watch more at, and you know, um, but I think I just think it's a very cool series, and um, again, another series with a ton of manufacturers in it, and um, yeah, the, the the racing is is always entertaining. A lot, a little more argy bargy in the uh, the pilot challenge than than maybe in the WeatherTech series, um, but no, that's that's my long. Uh, uh, speech on the the pilot challenge so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for for this npc race they absolutely race of the weekend for me you could really see the drivers hustling the cars and racing throughout the whole uh two hours and 40 minutes and you saw that drivers were making mistakes on the new surface i mean i probably like half a dozen drivers lost it in the kink during the npc race so there's lots of cautions for that unfortunately but then outside of those those safety cars, the racing was incredible. You had TCR battle, the Alpha versus the uh, the Audi. In, in GS, you had their Turner BMWs just slicing through the field and everyone fighting them along the way. It was really good. You saw the professionalism and passion of all the drivers in the racecraft displayed. Like there's little argy bargy, like John said, but it was nothing egregious. It was good, hard, honest racing, and GT4s really deliver that. Like, that you see the attitude of the cars, you see them dive and weave and bob from the drivers using the weight transfer to get those cars around the corners, and that's what makes it enjoyable and what what like makes the sensation of speed amazing. If you're not there in person as a fan. Like we want to see the drivers working inside the cars and GT fours and slower race cars. Like to be honest, you really get to see that. And it was a perfect showcase of that. So, and, and they also sound the best because GT four <laughs> Mustang GT four Camaro. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting for me. Like whilst I've watched IMSA for the last few years, MPC is always one that I've usually just kind of neglected apart from Daytona. Um, this year, obviously, I've been spend, uh, paying a lot more attention to it, as you say, what with our uh, skin in the game with uh, uh, Greg and Core Motorsports. And it's been such a treat. It's, it, as you say, that the characteristics of the cars, just everything lends itself to much better racing. And, you know, when I did watch uh, MPC in the past, I always kind of focused on TCRs, what with being a British person and our premier championship being a touring car championship. You know, that, that was the sort of the one that I gravitated more towards. But both of them, superb races. And um, in the in the GS class this time, it came down to a fuel mileage race. And I love fuel mileage races every now and again. They, they are so tense. I, we, we, uh, me and JD and um, uh, one of our other teammates uh, were, were watching the end of the NPC race just waiting to see, you know, where's that core motorsports Mustang? Is it going to come over the, the brow of the hill or is it going to have pitted? Just that, that complete unknowing of who was going to have enough and whether they had a legal fuel tank. Um, it, it just, <laughs> it, it was just so tense. Um, 
what we saw in the last few minutes was what looked like it was going to be a complete podium lockout for BMW completely go awry as all three of them had to pit for a splash of fuel within the last 10 minutes that put um, the Winwood Mercedes driven by Danny Morad at the time uh, into the lead just ahead of the core motorsports uh, Mustang. Um, the core motorsports Mustang then got overtaken by Liddell in the rebel rock racing Chevrolet Camaro, as it became clear that there was not much fuel left in the core motorsports Mustang. <laughs> um, I've not heard that kind of level of lift and coast for a long time. The amount that Luca Mars was, um, was lifting before corners was quite insane. Um, ultimately he couldn't quite hold enough of a pace to keep Liddell behind in the rebel rock car and ultimately dropped off to about 30 seconds off of the leading pair. But he got to the end, end, so that's amazing. Um, the Winwood car would end up taking the win with Danny Morad, um, with Liddell in the Rebel Rock car finishing about three seconds behind. But then in post-race technical inspections, the Mercedes was found to have had an exceeded fuel capacity and moved to the rear of the class as a result. Um, this is kind of foreshadowed. I don't remember which, I think it might've been one of the rebel rock drivers were saying immediately after the race, we'll see whether Winwood can keep that win. So it, it seems as yeah. though there, there's been some kind of knowledge that this is a thing, or at least yeah. it was very obvious during the race. But, um, what that meant was that the, uh, Chevy was promoted to the win. It was a good day for muscle cars because the core motorsports car was promoted from third to second. And we've got to give a shout out. As we said, our beloved co-host Greg is working on Core Motorsports as well. We've had Luca on in the past. The season they've had has been, let's call it, unlucky. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong at some point during the season. So to see them rewarded with third and then promoted to second is great. And, and they didn't just luck into that because of the strategy, but they were, they were running solidly in the top 10. Um, Luca drove a hell of a final stint. He dropped a couple of positions at the start from eighth back down to like 12th or 13th, but then came back like he was eighth. Then he was seventh. Then all the fuel mileage stuff happened. Bang. They're right there. So really, really cool. I, I wish Greg could have been around for this episode because I'd have loved to have heard his reaction, having been there with them throughout all the struggles so far this season so far. But we will definitely, when he's back on the show next week, hopefully, we'll hear more about that podium for them because that's just awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had the I had the pleasure of meeting all those those guys and Greg at Watkins Glen. They are a bunch of hardworking guys who are just super passionate about racing. And like you said, if they didn't have any luck, they'd have no luck at all with how their <laughs> season was going. They didn't even get to participate at Watkins because they, they crashed in qualifying. But like just being able to see those guys get not only finish the race, but then have a podium finish like that is I'm so happy for them. They they deserve all all of that and more. Especially with having the oldest GT four car in the field. Right. Like those GT four cars, like the OG ones are from like 2016, 2017. Like they are old. <laughs> <laughs> that is ancient world of racing. Yeah. But the other cool thing too, with it turning into kind of a fuel mileage uh, race um, at, and you kind of touched on it at road America, you know, after the, the kink um, and then the Canada corner like that, 
the rest of that lap is pretty much uphill, you know, a gradual uphill. And then you hit that big uh, uphill um, incline into the finish finish line. So like, like you said, like kind of like watching, like, Oh my God, are they going to crest the hill? Are they going to crest the hill? Are they going to <laughs> they gonna make the it, rolling you know? back down it? Yeah. Like- right. Right. So, you know, more, you know, more power to those guys and just shows how, you know, how good of drivers they are to be able to, to, to save that. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, but, uh, I, but no, that was such a cool race. I do want to say like massive shout out to, to rebel rock and for core for pulling such a strategy blinder on the rest of the field. Cause there was a late race caution. It was like on the edge. They both came in and topped off on the same lap and they knew from the start, they were going to both try to stretch it. I think Luca maybe went a little bit harder at first than Liddell did. And that's what cost him in the end a little bit, you know, but both of them complete blinders of strategy and execution. Cause we know from our sim racing, it's one thing to plan how to do field saving, but it's another thing to actually do it in a race condition. So massive props to them. Yeah. Yes. And ultimately the um, technical infringement for Winwood promoted another Mustang onto the podium. So it was an all muscle car podium. So screw you Europeans and your fancy sports cars. You don't need any of that. Just give a, a big block of, cars a big heavy Brrr. engine and that's all you need and maybe some <laughs> fuel <laughs> a little bit uh the turner motorsport bmw the 96 ended up coming home uh was fifth up to fourth after the penalty for winwood um the random vandals racing bmw the 92 would be just behind it with the final turner motorsport car which had been running i believe it was second prior to the final pit stops needed to take a lot more fuel and ended up dropping to an eventual finish of seventh um in the tcr class it was a very late race overtake uh battle for the lead between uh, the unitronic jdc miller motorsports audi and the kmw motorsports tmr engineering alfa romeo um for a touring car race that was actually a very clean pass that the alfa romeo managed to make uh, in the well i call it turn three it was about turn five and turn six um, Corvette Bridge. Corvette Bridge. And there you go. As as we said when they won at Watkins Glen, I think I love seeing that Alfa Romeo still racing, and the fact that it's winning again, it just makes my little heart sing. I know I just slagged off European <laughs> brands, but screw it. Out that Alfa Romeo is great. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's so unique. You know, it just it. It's like this little like bubble headlight and like rounded off front end. It just it. it it is. It's, got, it's, it's like I like to say about my friend JD. It's a handsome car, you know. <laughs> JD's a handsome sim racer. So, <laughs> anyways, I got a little carried away that night, but <laughs> I don't want any more context because that's the perfect amount. Um, yeah, ultimate, ultimately, the Alfa Romeo with Lewis and Block would end up winning by about seven seconds or so in the end they managed to pull out quite a lot in the uh, in the closing laps uh the uh, jdc miller motorsports unitronic audi would have to settle for second with miller and taylor behind the wheel with uh robert wickens and Godsacker uh, claiming the final spot on the podium they had led up until the final pit stops which didn't quite hang on in the uh, latter half of the race in the uh hyundai elantra for brian herter autosport um yeah as we said at the top i i would say 
not to say that the races that we're going to talk about after the break are, are were lacking at all. Um, but this was the race of the weekend, I would say. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one, uh, which I assume will be at VIR. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Two weekends from now? I, I think what this race should be for TCR is that I don't think it's necessarily the cars or why the world TCR championship is not. I think it's because of the tracks. Cause every time I watch a WTCR race, they're always on grade one F one circuits that are just really crappy and boring to watch them on. Cause it's too big for them. But every time I watch them in NPC, they're hustling and dogfighting each other every race. And it's hard, respectful dogfight racing in this race. I, th- I think it's just the tracks that they race on because it, it is. This, these are good race cars. And you also can't ignore the fact that WTCR was an FIA championship and they ruin everything that's good. Um, <laughs> oh. And as much as I like to meme about that, I would actually think I would say that was a part of it. You know, the WTCR, when they moved from their own package to predominantly TCR cars, the damage had already been done. They'd already gone through years and years of allowing new manufacturers to come in with years worth of development and then dominate for a few years before quitting. And then, as you say, the tracks never fit them either. The, the only good races for a lot of the time in WTCR, honestly, were the ones on the Nordschleifer. And that's just because it's the Nordschleifer. Um, but as, as you say, you see them in MPC and they're racing amazingly. You see them racing, not in the British Touring Car Championship because it's a different kind of rules package, but in the British TCR Championship, amazing racing. European TCR, amazing racing. TCR is superb. So what happened to WTCR is not indicative of the strength of the formula. It does work. And MPC is just another example of why it does. Um, yes, next round is at Virginia um, on Saturday, August 26th. So we will bring you that in a couple of weeks' time. Um we, we will talk about the next championship during this first half, but before that, we had some other IMSA news in the lead-up to the race, which was the 2024 calendar, which I totally didn't forget until I closed the tab and opened it on this one. Um, <laughs> this one, it's largely the, the same, um, starting off at Daytona for the Raw for the Ro- before the Rolex 24 and then the Rolex 24 itself. Um, then the next WeatherTech races at Sebring, as normal, the 12 hours, then Long Beach, uh, then Laguna Seca, uh, back to Detroit. That will only be the GTs, uh, the GTE4s again. Um, Mid-Ohio, which is just for Michelin Pilot Challenge. I would love to see the WeatherTech series at Mid-Ohio again. I, I love that yeah. track. It might be a little bit too tight, but who cares? Uh, then Watkins Glen, then Most Sport, then Road America, VIR. Uh, then this is the big one. Indianapolis is coming back again, obviously after making its return to or debut in IMSA yeah, European uh, American endurance rather. Um, obviously that's coming back in a couple of weeks time, but from next year, it will be an IMSA endurance race, a six hours um, before ending the season at road Atlanta with the usual Petit Le Mans. Uh, firstly, what do we think of Indianapolis getting an endurance race? Should, is that good that we have an extra endurance race and should it have been Indianapolis? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, for another endurance race, I would have. 
I mean, I, I'm partial to it, but I would have preferred that six-hour enduro to be at the track we were just at at Road America. But, but hey, I, I'll take another endurance Ooh. race on the schedule. You know, overall, and again, I don't hate Indy. I just I like Road America more. So <laughs> that's really on my own only reason. I yield the rest of my time. My uh, colleague has stayed with everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Thank I, you, I, sir. I completely agree. Like, whilst you know, we said prior to talking about IMSA that we, we all quite like in the Indy road course. And I know we also just talked about how it was a relatively boring race at road America, but road America is such a good racetrack that I w- it, it deserves to be a longer race than two hours, 40 minutes for sure. And, and whilst I'm happy that we're getting another endurance race, I, I would like the two hour, 14 minute races or less to be a lot fewer. Uh, maybe just long beach Laguna, and, and maybe that's it, really. I would prefer that more of the races to be endurance races than not. So yeah. I, I'm not going to be sad about the fact that it's a six-hour race at Indianapolis, but there are other tracks I would have rather seen um, be endurance races. Um, that wasn't the only... I, I'm not going to say that was a negative thing, but there were a couple of negative things about this calendar as well. Um, we'll get onto the big one in a moment, but the Roundup Most Sport next year will not feature GTPs. It will just be LMP2s yeah. um, and GTDs. Considering that's the only international race, if you can really call it an international race when it's it's Canada, you know, it's, it's right there. For, for the only international race to not have the top class is a little bit of a shame. You no, know, it's not a little bit of a shame. It's a big of a shame. Yeah. But um, we, we haven't really I heard... I double read it or to go back and read it again. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of what? sense, but... I don't believe they have really said why, um, but we were kind of theorizing perhaps with the rapid expansion of GTP that's coming next year. And obviously we've heard about the steps that IMSA have had to take to ensure safety at these races. What with having a, an area where they can be put if they're in a dangerous charge condition, we were wondering if maybe there was a lack of space especially considering how much LMP2 is also going to be expanding next year with LMP3s coming off of the WeatherTech schedule. Yeah, from the sources I've been listening to today, it's definitely that part, the infrastructure of all the tracks. So you have expanded GTP grids because you're getting uh, Lamborghini, potentially Ferrari added to the GTP field with any other customer teams. Um, Then you also, like you said, expanded LMP2, expanded GTD, field as well you know we already kicked out lmp3 by this time they they said they don't have the infrastructure at a lot of these tracks that's why mid ohio doesn't have you know the top line weather tech series because we know how big mid ohio is they can't handle 60 cars for an imsa race like they they just physically can't do it you know and all the paddock space required like we went i went to Watkins Glen. the gtps and the teams they needed at least two or three times the space that all the other support series categories needed just because they are that complex to, to run and operate, you know, they're, they're tame by, you know, if you compare it to like, obviously F1 standards, but still like these are incredibly complex and they, they need their space. You know, it really sucks, especially for the guys up in Canada. I mean, GTPs, DP, DPIs in the past, they all put on fantastic mm-hmm. shows up in, in most sports. It's such a shame to lose them, you know, but, I mean, P2s are, are good, but it's still not the same. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but I understand the reasoning why. Yeah. 
and it, and it will be cool in a sense to see in in a year where LMP2 has been struck away from WEC you know it was already good of IMSA to keep to 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 realize you know these are fucking amazing cars that put on amazing races why would you get rid of them you know so it was great already to see IMSA have that it will be cool to see them have a headline event almost and given a better share of the spotlight if you will um but yeah, yeah. It, it is a shame uh, when when you think that you know me in particular i'm i'm a, a gtp i'm a prototype fan more than a gt uh gt fan and i would never guess <laughs> um <laughs> i just like downforce man you know non-downforce cars for peasants um <laughs> you know a, a lot of people kind of gravitate toward that top class so and, and you know you see with the gt only races there is a bit of a fall off in terms of interest to be honest um so at least the P2s will be there. It will be interesting to see how widely received that most sport race is with the lack of GTPs. But it, I, I guess it's a, a consequence of the rapid expansion of the series. You know, it's amazing that IMSA is expanding in such a way and that endurance racing is experiencing this boom. But, you know, I, I would rather there be a race with fewer classes than them take the race somewhere else entirely where they could all fit. Right. So, you know, necessary, right, I, I suppose. Um, Another problem uh, with the calendar is the amount of clashes. Now, as we said, endurance racing is having a bit of a boom right now, and there's a lot of attention both on IMSA and WEC. And there's a lot of room with with the convergence of rules, packages, and everything of teams being able to do multiple, not necessarily with the same cars. Like we know, for example, with Cadillac, whilst they do both championships, they don't have the same cars and crews doing both at the same time, because that would be a hell of a workload. However, it is disappointing to see that on the calendar, there are a number of clashes with not just WEC rounds, but also with other premier endurance races in the world. Um, the uh, Long Beach weekend, for example, clashes with WEC at Imola. Um, I, I, I'm more forgiving of that one because, you know, obviously the city of Long Beach has to have a date and, I would put that clash at the fault of WBC, to be honest, but they're also going to Imola, so I don't care because it's fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> Laguna Seca clashes with Spa. That's a bit more of a usual one. Spa is usually kind of around that time of the year, so it's, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that that clashes. Um, uh, Mo Sport clashes with the Brazil round of Sao Paulo. Again, we just spoke, you know, the GTPs aren't there, so is that a massive thing, I suppose? Not really. Detroit is the same weekend as the Nürburgring 24 hours. I, I don't really see that as a massive problem because that's not really, that's, that's a GT round only. So it's, it's not as big of a problem. Um, but it, it's just kind of needless, I guess, you know, you would think that maybe with the convergence of rules, they'd, they'd perhaps talk a little bit more about their prospective schedules and try and make the clashes as few and far between as possible but as as john doonan said i believe you know there's only so many races so many weeks in a year to race and and you can't keep treading around each other otherwise you're just going to end up racing well into december or well into january or whatever so it's difficult i wouldn't want to be a schedule partner that's very <laughs> tough i i have a slightly different view of it than than you do like i've like i said i, I listen to other people talk about this and like the first thing i i chuckled when i first heard is like imsa made the schedule be for imsa imsa is not WEC. 
they work together for Lamal, but WEC is WEC, an international championship. IMSA is a domestic championship, even though they go to Canada for the technically international yeah. part. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, like, like it, it, it's only good for us race fans because, oh no, there's two big endurance sports car races going on the same day. Oh, how terrible. I watch one that starts in the morning, <laughs> the other one ends in the evening. Oh my gosh, it's so terrible. It, it's only ever and a problem that, when they overlap on the same day. You know, there was that half an hour a couple of weeks ago at Monza where right. it led straight into the next one. Like, not not even led straight in. It was, it was, they directly overlap. So I would hope at the very least they make them start in a way where they don't overlap so that us endurance fans can have a perfect day. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that, that's I mean, a valid and, point. I'll take an overlap. I'll take it. That, yeah. that, I enjoyed and that then, day thoroughly. <laughs> and then like for the teams and drivers, I think more so for the drivers, it affects them more because you know, lots of drivers like we see like to double dev, like Jules Gunan coming over to IMSA, you know, then he flies back, does SRO, etc. But at the same time, like we've bemoaned F1 and other categories, like, oh, all these young, talented drivers don't have a shot. They get open seats now. For these teams to go do these big races, they can prove themselves and we can just have an even bigger pool of talent to appreciate now. If we have the two big endurance races, you know, get your hotshot GT youngsters, have them do the smaller Nürburgring 24 and have your established factory guys do IMSA or vice versa. I, I think it only it shows how strong sports car racing is becoming worldwide to support all these big events at the same time. And then also shows how bright the future can be. Just like we have 11 events for IMSA. There's pressure on them to expand, to have more events. WEC is expanding again to bring in more races. I remember like a couple years ago, it was only like six, five or six races. Now they're expanded to what? Almost 10. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's a fantastic problem to have as sports for sports car racing and as sports car racing fans. Yes, it kind of sucks. Like, oh, I'll have to have two streams up at the same time. Oh, how <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Second monitor sales. First world reasons. problems, right? <laughs> and, and, well, they've and, been having, what? I mean, record crowds, too, at each of these races. They Again, they had a record yeah. crowd at Road America this weekend. You know, it's growing. Yeah. The only concession IMSA has made and has historically made is only for Lamar for convergence. Oh, that's the yeah, concession that, that's that the they one. make. Yeah. Every, everything else to like, well, we're IMSA. We have fans here. Yeah. Right. I think they're in a good position with the current, with their historical scheduling where, you know, WEC's big event has always been the standalone that all ever, all ever racing stops for. Um, and, 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 you know, with, with the big races for IMSA, luckily are right at the start of the season or right at the end. So traditionally they are kind of free, you know, Daytona always is cause nothing races that early. Um, so yeah, it, it's good that they kind of both trade off around that one, as you say, because that's the big one for the pair of them. Um, but other than that, as you say, may, maybe the way we should all be looking at it instead is that it's giving us a chance to see more variety in terms of driver lineups, in terms of teams racing in the different championships rather than the same people racing both. Because then you just get the same racing, except the FIA one would be worse because it's the FIA. So, yeah, maybe that's the way we should be looking at it instead. But either way, oh, and these these poor schedulers too. Now they got to add in the um, 
Oh, the the Mustang, the new Mustang yeah. uh, single make series. Yeah, and we've already the seen the ca- well. calendar for that series is is all over yeah. the place because of how packed the schedule is for IMSA racing. You know, they've got they've got I believe it's two races on the IMSA uh, support bill, three. They've got a support bill for Cup uh, NASCAR Cup Series. They've got a support bill for for WEC um, at Cota. You know, they're all over the place. And again, that was a case yeah. the, the, the IMSA representatives were saying, you know, it's just hard to fit it in with how many races there are in a weekend. What a problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Again, it just shows how healthy it is right now. They, IMSA, multi-car sports car, multi-class sports cars, has five support categories. Yeah. Yeah. They got P-Cup, Super Trofeo, Ferrari Challenge, this new Mustang one and Miatas and they all put on banger race. Oh, super trail doesn't, but most of them put on great racing. <laughs> no, they literally have banger races. <laughs> I've never seen a field with five different classes and yet all of them are somehow AMs. It's quite amazing. Um, but, but alas, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, other than super trofeo. It's, it's, it's a great time for him. So even if, even if this race weekend was a little bit tamer than usual, but we can let them off. I'm sure it'll be uh, much better uh, when we come to the next big all-class round at Indianapolis in a few weeks' time, um, or next month, actually. Anyway, um, we will talk about IndyCar before we go for our, I, I say, mid-show break. It gets less and less halfway as the weeks go on. Nashville. Um, this is a race that in the past has been very much considered the chaos race if the first year was anything to go by. But I think last year and this year have kind of seen it settle down into more of a traditional IndyCar race. And, and whilst, whilst there are a lot of people, myself included, who were skeptical of the race after the first year due to the layout and due to the chaos, I think it's actually becoming one of the highlight races of the year, both for location and both for the racing. It, it, it genuinely seems to put on some pretty good racing and i think this has been kind of echoed in the fact that in the lead up to the um the race weekend it was announced that nashville will be the season finale in 2024 and it will be on a revised track due to the construction works that are going on around the nissan stadium um what do we think of the new layout because yeah i think i think the there's been a lot of memes thrown around about this uh, layout, particularly from Formula One fans, which I would say if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. I think this is actually a bit of an improvement of the layout. Yeah, it, it gets rid of the real big congestion zones that everyone's complained about since the beginning. You know, just it becomes literally a, a one lane street. And if anyone has any type of incident, the whole track is blocked. You got to red flag the thing. So it, it definitely fixes that. And plus, I. I Agree. I was also skeptical about Nashville, especially the first year, especially with how bumpy the track was. But I had to give the promoters and organizers a whole bunch of credit for continually improving the racing surface for the track. Like this year, we saw them coming off the bridge in both directions. It was still kind of bumpy, but not nearly as bad as it used to be, uh, especially the first couple years. So, and and then Na- Nashville is such a big growing market not just for IndyCar, but for everything in general, the city's really pumping a lot of resources into making it a destination for other anything other than just country music. And it, it, it shows that they're really serious about it. So I'm actually pretty excited about it becoming a finale because we've always 
complained in the past, like the finales at Sonoma or Laguna Seca are kind of meh. They're great tracks, but out of the way, you know, and for a series yeah. that really struggles with promotion, you know, it, it makes so much sense to have it in this growing market, as you say. Um, and the finale is going to be on my birthday next year. So thanks, IndyCar. That's oh. great. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. I, whilst it's such, whilst it's, own, it's a seven turn track with, uh, uh, like four, uh, four of those corners being 90 degree corners, there's still so much character there. As you say, the bumps really make it a, a big challenge in Nashville. Obviously the temperature at the time of year also is a factor. It'll obviously maybe be a little bit cooler at that point, only a little bit, I'd imagine it's only about a month later than usual, but you've still got They've retained the Korean veterans, uh, bridge. Um, and the corner now coming off of that. So as you go over the bridge that through turn two now, and down toward what is turn three on the other side of the bridge, it's now going to be a really high speed, bumpy right-hander into a tight left-hand hairpin. That is going to be box office next year. I, I'm so excited. But And if all of that wasn't enough, that's the pit entry. Because <laughs> the one meme I will, I will agree with with this track is the fact that the pit lane has one less corner than the track. And it's in a car park. <laughs> it's, it's a six-turn pit lane with with two hairpins and two left hand 90 degrees in a car park i i just figured out what this track looks like go on it's big olden park with a bridge in it you know what and no chicanes i if i stood about 10 meters back from my screen i can see it (laughs) it looks like the the big dipper but like the, I don't know where this is going. The handle part got real flaccid and just kind of like <laughs> moved moved over and got limp, and then so it's no longer the big dipper; it's the soft dipper. Your choice of words, John, never fails to amaze me. Quite we missed you. I mean, here's the thing: the thing that I am most looking forward to at Nashville is to see what the the tire degradation looks like. And see how the marbles affect the uh, the racing line because <laughs> because this year, <laughs> my God, did somebody say marble? I, I didn't. I didn't think of it. I didn't even notice this until you pointed it out. But as we transition into talking about the main race, the amount of times that Townsend Bell mentioned the tire marbles, holy fuck! So he we he mentioned it five times, and this is only in the extended highlight <laughs> video that NBC puts out. So I don't. There could have been more. There were he, definitely more. He talked there's, about the marbles. Definitely more. And the reason why I looked at it, like, because I remember watching a race a couple of weeks ago, and he like was hyped about the marbles. Just he likes talking about it, and then, yeah, I mean, it makes a. Very it important. does make a difference yeah. in the race, and it's very it is very important, and like. And and everyone's now going to know that I'm a psychopath because there's some part of me that is like o- it's already, like that oddly satisfying real yeah that's true, <laughs> but like I have this oddly satisfying like whenever I see like a track that gets rubbered in over time and I see the marbles there's something about it that it's like uh, I, it's oddly satisfying and I swear to God I'm not a psychopath maybe I am you are but um so. I noticed that he kept talking about the marbles. I'm like, yeah, I like the marbles too. <laughs> <laughs> he went on for 
So if anyone's wondering, you have to you go to YouTube, look up the extended highlights for Nashville, and then you have to play the drinking game. Anytime Towns and Bell mentions the marbles, you have to chug your beer. And you're probably going to be hammered by the end. But um, but I, I don't know how else to say about it, but he is so excited about the marbles. I mean, he's literally like screaming about the marbles in, in, in these shots. And he, he likens the marbles he says it's like an Oreo factory out there and it's a shot of them coming over the bridge. And yes, you can see the marbles. <laughs> so anyways, but um, yeah, we had to get that in cause we laughed about for what, like 10 or 15 minutes before the, for the rest of the, the show. year, for the rest of the IndyCar <laughs> season, I'm going to be like tuned in just to hear how many times Townsend Buff yeah. is it. And, and I'm now conscious and, and worried that maybe it was the Wyuli rubber that they use for the street circuits only that's producing an excessive amount of marbles. I'm now worried for Townsend that for the rest of the season, we won't have as many marbles and that he'll just be sad. Instead, he'll just have to go you back to what I'm talking about. about James Hinchcliffe, about whether a line is a line or not. So I, I, I hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope we get to Indianapolis this coming weekend and there's lots of marbles for him. It's, oh, I swear to God, there better be a lot of marbles. My guy, if there aren't, he might just have to go back to racing for a terrible uh, manufacturer in sports car racing. I mean, like we know that he also purposely like hypes up stuff just to make James Hinchcliffe upset. I wonder him. if James hates marbles. <laughs> Maybe at does. the same time, there was there was a significant amount of marbles there on was, the track. So like, was. but the passion he was saying oh. it with, like he's trying to make James upset, and it's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> You know they'll be they'll be diving into a really succinct point about you know how how McLaughlin's taking pole by six temps, and then in the background you'll just hear, "Look at the fucking marbles!" My <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, just did me in. So thank you, John, for for bringing that to our attention. Oh, I was, I'm not going to be able to. I was laughing so much. Oh yeah, no, you're you're going to hear him say marbles. You're going to instantly start oh, laughing anytime you my watch God. the broadcast. For our listeners out there, you have to go. And and watch the YouTube it's video. Incredible. There is there is five different times throughout that fifteen minute clip that he just waxed loves it. He loves the marbles. These marbles. So so we should probably talk about the race itself. Marble race. Yeah, that's right. We should probably talk about the race itself because <laughs> there was some racing that produced said marbles. Um, qualifying and I, in a series where I usually say that it's hard to dominate in. It's what makes Alex Pillow's uh, championship season he's putting together right now so impressive. It's rare to see big championship margins. It's rare to see big margins of victory or big margins in qualifying. Scott McLaughlin got pole position for for Team Penske, um, his second pole in a row here at Nashville. Um, And it was one of the best laps I've seen anywhere from anyone in recent memory. Um, Almost half a second up on the field. That lap was sweaty, and not just because of the temperature, like sweaty. Incredible. <laughs> he's got it here. Yeah. He, he's just the ultimate talent. I mean, if anybody doubts the talent of any V8 supercars driver going to any other series, whether it's you know, Scott McLaughlin or Shane Van Gisbergen, watch this lap. It is incredible the amount of commitment and precision the man executes mm. at it, i i was flabbergasted because throughout the whole qualifying session we're seeing people like wrestle the car you see them turn the wheel and the car is just not responding you see scott he is turning that wheel and just hooking the car up full commitment full beans 
full belief and trust in his own abilities. It was like lap of the gods level stuff. Like he's done supercars for ages and now he's an indie car. It's just a joy to see. And I get a huge amount of joy seeing other people see how good this man is. And you're right. It's a very similar thing to how we felt after SVG winning in Chicago. You know, it's a good time to be a driver or someone associated with supercars because this validation that the series is getting from people from Scott, like people like Scott and people like Shane. And I'm sure like how Brody's going to perform this coming weekend at Indianapolis as well. It's, it, it's not like we didn't know that supercars was amazing. You people like you you and I JD have have been aware of supercars for many, many years now and have been, have often spoken about how it's one of the most exciting grids and most talented grids in motorsport. But getting this validation is just, it's so cool. It's so cool. And, and, you know, we saw with how many people were interested in subscribing to the supercars streaming platform. It, it's working and it's, it's making people internationally more interested in the series again. So that, that's so cool. Yeah, we're kind of like racing hipsters. Yeah. We liked it for it was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, in the graph of you know pre SVG and post SVG, we we were we were we were there ages before. You know, I'm just that filthy bandwagon oh, fan. So yeah, it's fun. You know, I love hat, racing. So we, you automatically outrank <laughs> us. You know, it's still a bandwagon purchase, <laughs> but that's okay. Um. Yeah, um, the other thing I want to point out from qualifying, so yeah, McLaughlin got the pole uh, with uh, Pato Award second. The other person I want to shout out, because whilst he was amazing in qualifying and didn't really have a great race, was Linus Lundqvist. Now, we, we mentioned this at the tail end of last week's episode, that sadly Simon Pagano was ruled out again after his crash from mid-Ohio and was unable to take part in Nashville. So Mayoshank Racing have procured the services of Linus Lundqvist. Uh, it remains to be seen whether he'll be racing this weekend, but I dare say after his performance at Nashville, he'll probably be back at Indianapolis. At least he fucking should be. Um, Linus won last year's Indian NXT Championship, and I've mentioned earlier in the year how it's a crying shame that he wasn't on the grid. His performance this weekend, uh, or last weekend at Nashville, showed why it's a crying shame he's not on this grid. In practice one, he was less than a second off of the fastest time, bearing in mind, whilst he's had a couple of IndyCar tests, none of them have been with Mayor Shank, and he has not driven a single-seater car since winning the Indy NXT Championship. He's done a couple of Porsche races, but, you know, whatever. Quite, quite different. And then in qualifying, he gets all the way to the fast 12. He gets out of the first round of qualifying, which for Mayor Shank racing this year is actually a bit of a feat, considering they've not been really on the pace and was quite close, albeit he qualified 11th. He was still in the ballpark. He could have, if he'd put some laps together a little bit better, been in the fast six. He could have been quick enough for it. Out-qualified Elio Castroneves, who needs no further introduction. It's Elio freaking Castroneves. I high-fived him once. I hate you. (laughs) I am very jealous. I hope you never wash that hand. Um, Actually, I really hope you did. Um, (laughs) I don't know where you've been. Which hand is it? Um, <laughs> You'll find out. Oh, oh. Is it your primary hand? <laughs> no, ambidextrous. Um, <laughs> but what a, what a performance by Linus. Um, he didn't have the, the race that he'd hoped for. He made a, excuse me, he made a mistake um, midway through the race and ended up crashing out. But he was running up 
in contention, you know, battling people who've been racing all season long and for multiple seasons, the kid's got it. And, and again, in that car to be doing what he was doing, incredible with the limited amount of experience he has, he needs to be on this grid. He just does. <laughs> he kicked ass. Um, so yeah, wanted to mention that here. Linus is great. Onto the race itself. Um, McLaughlin kept the lead for the opening stages of the race, but ultimately, and I think crucially, I think what decided the race was that during the mid stages of the race, he fell behind a couple of the Andretti's, notably Romain Grosjean, and then spent a vast amount of laps unable to pass him uh, whilst uh, they were on the whilst they were on their longest stint on the primary tires. That ultimately allowed Kyle Kirkwood to vault ahead of him. Um, McLaughlin would eventually get back up to second and would begin chasing Kirkwood. Uh, but despite a, a couple of uh, yellow flags toward the end of the race and then a red flag, even on the final restart, he wasn't quite quick enough to be able to usurp Kirkwood. On, on the longer, he, he, Without the cautions, Kirkwood would have won by multiple seconds. He was about three seconds ahead before the cautions. But then on each restart, he pulled away enough, especially on the last restart in particular. Kirkwood was out of a cannon. And managed to build up enough of a gap where, despite a really strong final lap for McLaughlin, he wasn't quite able to get back to him. So Kirkwood ended up winning the race, his second in IndyCar. Um, really, really impressive drive from him to be able, you know, considering the pace that McLaughlin had all week for Andretti to outstrategize and then outpace him, was really, really impressive. And he's the only Andretti driver that's won a race so far this year. That's important to remember as well. Yeah. When you consider that there's another driver in particular in that stable who is the one that's hyped up all of the time. Kirkwood's the one winning. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, if it wasn't for Kirkwood, you know, holding off Scotty Mack at the end, I'd say driver of the day was Roman Grosjean just for holding up Scotty Mack and allowing Kirkwood to get that gap. As we were watching, I uh, think they were about like five seconds behind Kirkwood as they're getting into that final pit stop sequence. You know, Kirkwood's gone. He he undercuts. McLaughlin stayed out. You know, just a couple more laps. He got by Grosjean. That immediately made up like three of those five seconds. If Grosjean didn't hold up McLaughlin and force McLaughlin to push hard and burn up his tires, I think McLaughlin wins that race pretty easily, even though we know Andretti's really freaking good on street courses and Kyle Kirkwood, he, his other one was that Long Beach in dominant fashion. They are legitimately stupid good at street courses, and so is he. But Scotty Mack just over the weekend had the extra gear, but he just had to use too much and he didn't have enough at the end. So props to Andretti, props to Grosjean for not binning it for that's, a race That's why finally. he's my driver of the weekend, because he crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, you know, and, and props to Kirkwood for for dealing with that pressure because everyone knows Scotty Mack's reputation for being super fast and aggressive. He's not afraid to send it if he sees it. So it was, it was a, another good indie car race. I, I don't know what, what more to say. Yeah. I was just pleased that it wasn't a crash fest. As, as we said, leading into the talking about indie car Nashville kind of had a reputation after its first year of being a meat grinder, if you will, but it put on, a good indie car race you know was it the best race of the weekend no i wouldn't say so the mission pilot challenge race was great um but it was still a good a, a great race by racing standards a good race by indie car standards 
and I'm excited to see what I think will be a lot more of a raceable layout next year and the fact that it was the season finale will do for this race going forward. Um, quick note on Grosjean. That was his first top 10 since Barber in April. So he's currently like, we all know there's rumors that he's going to be out at Andretti at the end of the year, possibly replaced by Marcus Ericsson. Um, if he can finish the season strongly, maybe get that first fucking win. Maybe he can save that seat, but you know, I, I just want to see the guy convert a full season. But then, as we said with Andretti, that's really hard because they're so inconsistent. I know we were just waxing lyrical about Kyle Kirkwood, but other than his win at Long Beach, he has had three top 10 finishes between then. Uh, top three, not uh, top 10 finishes, rather. Um, the rest of the time, he's been either... Well, he, well, he's been anonymous outside of the top 10. Colton Herter... He's only five points behind him in the championship, despite not having a win. And he really should have got a win at Road America if they'd done the strategy correctly. It's just Andretti being Andretti and being massively inconsistent. You know, it's hard to put too much blame on the drivers, but Grosjean does need to stop crashing. So hopefully this is the mark of a turnaround for him. Um, So yeah, McLaughlin would end up having to settle for second. He said post-race that he believes he will get a win at Nashville eventually and is hoping it will be next year to win the championship. Um, Here, here. I'd love to see that. Um, (laughs) Third, third would go to Alex Pelot. The guy is unbelievable. I I, I hadn't realized... like I knew this was a good season given the, the championship margin he's built up right at the moment. But he has been in the top five all but two races this year and the other two races were eighth place finishes oh wow it's unbelievable wow. the performance he's putting in at the moment he now leads the championship by well he has 513 points compared to joseph newgarden on 429 newgarden nashville local finished just behind him in fourth so even at home he wasn't quite able to to pull back some points um honestly i i Unless something happens in the next couple of races, and I think I said this a few races ago anyway, pelot has got it sewn up. Um, re- realistically, I think the only place that Newgarden can kind of count on beating him is Gateway, because then again, it's another short track. But pelot proved with his fir- third place at Iowa that he's getting the hang of that now too. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he won Gateway, just to further rub salt into the wound. I, I don't want to retread ground we've already covered on this show, but to dominate a championship like IndyCar is the mark of an incredible driver and team. So, wow, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's worrying considering we're going to Indianapolis, the, the road course this weekend. And where who won the race earlier in the year at Indianapolis road course? Oh. It was Alex Pelot. So, yikes, basically. Um, that's all I really have to say about IndyCar. We spoke about the marbles. Um <laughs> stingray rob watch he finished 17th hooray um <laughs> david malukas had a stupid yeah. hat. oh david malukas actually is, is another one i wanted to mention because he got through to the fast six in qualifying which is really impressive again little dave in a little team you know that, that that's quite the performance <laughs> and he was running quite solidly until they had a a overheat uh, like a, a really hot temperature at the rear of the car which delaminated the rear wing support and led to a rear wing failure coming off of the bridge. 
that could have been awful. Gee, that was weird. Like if that had happened yeah. slightly earlier, as he turned in for the 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 corner coming off of the bridge, you know, mercifully it happened just after or through the corner. That could have been nasty. So so yeah. sad that he didn't finish, but glad that he was all right. And it, it's such a shame, you know, to for in a weekend where it looked like it was going to go so well, starting fifth, he was the bottom of the timesheets after retiring early. Big shame. Big shame for little Dave. Um, <laughs> just rounding off Nashville, Indy NXT were there in support as usual with Christian Rasmussen uh, dominating from pole to take his third win of the season. Um, that championship uh, currently has Rasmussen out front. He extended his lead with his win. He's got 334 points compared to Nolan Siegel on 289. They will also be in action this weekend at the Indy Road Course. Um, that's it for the first part of the show. I believe, John, we're saying goodbye to you here. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> it's probably good that I got off. <laughs> yeah. Vanity and vulgarness. You, you've come along. You've waxed lyrical about rubber. You've reminded us why you might need a restraining order for some people. And now you're headed back. Um, no, great to have you back. Uh, do you want to plug any social media while you're here? Um, yeah, you can follow me at Townsend Love Marvel <laughs> on Twitter. If you don't and change your Instagram, name, that, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm at, uh, yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Cover Me in Marbles, damn it. Um, and on Facebook, oh, that's enough. No, it's a. Uh, J- I always forget this. Twitter is Javik uh, J. I know it. And then Instagram is just my name, John Javicki. And then if, if you want the good hands treatment for your insurance, oh. you can go to John Javicki at allstate.com. And we do auto home renters, motorcycle, life insurance. <laughs> All right, oh, enough. When you, when, you said, you want, yeah, when you said if you want the good hands, I wondered where you were going. Let's leave before he says anything worse. <laughs> Join us after the break where me and JD will be talking about NASCAR and how the number 42 car seems to be a little bit cursed. Um, mm-hmm. More of that after this. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. This is the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Go into the weekend with the End of the Apex podcast, reliably producing sim racing and iRacing banter for over three years. Tyler, Bradley, Patrick, and Rob come together each week to hang out, and everyone's invited. Coming out of the Motorsport Weekend, there's the End of the Paddock podcast, where Jordan, Greg, and John will dig deep into all the real motorsport happenings from pretty much every series out there. There are no cold takes on ITP. It's all on the End of the Apex Motorsport podcast network. We're here for you every week, and we're bringing the provocative motorsport talk. Into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed, presented by Spotify. Into the Apex After Dark, OnlyFans Into the Apex, Infowars Into the Apex. We're not too sure what it's called just yet, but we do know that it's edgy. It's provocative. It's everything we do here at the End of the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. 
To subscribe, go to IntoTheApex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This, this is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast for our second part of the show here. We're going to be talking about NASCAR mainly in this uh, second not half. Uh, before we get on to that, um, remember to follow us on all our various social media accounts. We are at Twitter, still calling it Twitter, at Into the Paddock with the number two. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Threads as well, so make sure you follow us there to keep up to date with when our latest episodes go live. We are live every Tuesday, roughly 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. UK time. Sometimes that fluctuates like last week. Technical stuff happens. Um, also, be sure to check out the affiliated podcast on the Into the Apex podcast network and subscribe to the Into the Apex YouTube channel to see video clips from our show and our sister shows. And if you're a fan of the Into the Apex podcast network, then you can subscribe for 99 cents a month on Spotify and Anchor for premium content, which is always good. So, uh, yeah, check all of that out at IntoTheApex.com. Um, NASCAR. And... I think, unfortunately for the sport, much of the talking of the weekend was once again regarding off-track controversies, shall we say. Um, it was announced on the Friday ahead of the race that Noah Gragson has been suspended by Legacy Motor Club indefinitely and was then subsequently suspended by NASCAR for liking an insensitive social media post about the death of George Floyd. NASCAR's already got a checkered history when it comes to this sort of thing. And we know NASCAR have made a lot of steps over the last five, four years or so with regards to changing that. And full credit to NASCAR, a lot of the stuff they have done has been really, really good. But it's moments like this that remind you of just how deep-rooted the problem is, not just within NASCAR. NASCAR operationally are doing a good job, but there are so many people still within NASCAR, be it teams or drivers or fans, where it's still a massive issue. And it, it was... I think what was also frustrating was you then had a load of people, despite the fact that Noah apologised, and I put apologising inverted commas, it read like an apology of someone who got caught rather than someone who was genuinely sorry. Um, but you then had people attacking the journalist who brought the situation to light. And I would say brought the situation to light. He was made aware of it and then subsequently reported it to Chevrolet and Legacy Motor Club to find out whether it was actually Noah that liked the post. It, it just illustrates that whilst NASCAR made a lot of progress, there's still a lot of work still to be done. Yeah, it's obviously very disappointing to uh, to have happen. Um, and the, the the post was people say, "Oh, it's dark humor." No, there's a line between dark humor and something that's just egregious, and that that crossed the line. Mm. Um, people get all upset, like, "Oh, it's free speech." He can say what he wants. Yes, you can say anything, like anything, retweet anything that you want. But what's not protected is the consequences of 
that action or that speech or what have you. Like if you showed that meme to your boss at work, like, hey, isn't this funny? Ha ha ha. You'd be in a similar situation as Noah. You would be suspended and possibly fired or reprimanded or what have you. So, yes, he was free to do what he did, and now he's paying the consequences for that. Uh, people say like, he's young. You know, he's just a passionate guy. He's a good, fun-loving, beer-drinking guy. That's why we like him versus camera and all that. Yeah, all those things can be true, but you still need, especially as a public figure, you need to have some type of awareness, you know, and if you can't help yourself and you know you can't help yourself with certain things, get a burner account. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the pro- thing. It's such a dumb mistake. Like, yeah, not a mistake. I, 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 I reticent to use the word mistake because he didn't accidentally like that post. Let's be clear on that. Like, I will give him full credit for being like, yep, I liked it. I mean, honesty is rare to come by, so at least he, he owned up to it instead of saying, oh, my account got hacked, which is the easiest thing that anyone would yeah. say. But, you know, but again, it's just disappointing. I know he's a fan favorite because he appeals to the mass demographic of blue collar, beer drinking, outdoorsman kind of, kind of fan that NASCAR traditionally has had. But at the same time, like he's not NASCAR. NASCAR is fine without Noah Gregson. Now, I'm not condemning him, not saying he should never have a career again. Uh, I think he obviously deserves a second chance. Um, but at the same time, unlike other incidents with other drivers of the number 42 car, he is not a generational talent yeah. that would make things go over a little easier in the road to come back to the cup series, especially given his performance over this year, even though it's not his fault, all of his fault, it's still, it doesn't look very good for him unless he puts in a lot of backbreaking work to come back. So very disappointed. Obviously, I mean, I, I, never been a fan of his, especially for his on track antics and his off track antics, you know, outside of things like this, you know, hooking people on purpose, dumping teammates, picking fights. Cause he's thinks he's tough, but you know, he finally crossed the line with a stupid choice and he's paying the consequences. So, you know, wish him nothing but the best for the future. Hopefully he and his fans can learn instead of, trying to defend him. Hopefully some actual learning and heart and soul searching can take place. So you can be mad all you want at NASCAR at the team. It's the right choice, especially if he's only 24. He can come back from it, but he needs to get the added level of maturity, which I think he's, he's really lacked because he's, because he's been talented in the Xfinity series. No one's actually had to give him the hard hand of a hard lesson. So, here's his his lesson time. He's going to have to put in the time to learn it. Now he knows better. His fans should know better, but they don't care. They wouldn't. <laughs> but it is what it is, and, you know, not going to elaborate too much more. Mm. What's done is done. Yeah, and I think you hit the, head, the nail on the head. Um, the, the, the problem he's had throughout his career has been maturity, be it off track or on track, you know, as as you mentioned, hooking people. I, I think back to Road America in the Xfinity series when he deliberately dumped Sage Karam and caused yeah. a massive wreck that could have really hurt people at a bottleneck in the track. 
Mm. I, I think back to his multiple fights on pit road where his maturity is cost him. Um, again, this, this tweet, it, it, you could put it down to mature immaturity there as well. Um, I put it down to him potentially being a horrible person, but I don't know the guy. Um, you've got to think that in NASCAR and in all of motorsport, you're not just out there to race. You're representing all of the people that allow you to be in that situation. And in particular, that's sponsors. And as you say, there will be people that will say it's free speech and that he should be able to do what he wants on social media. Um, but when you're representing all of these different companies and sponsors and manufacturers, you've got to be in line with what they think you're representing their image, you know, and I would guess that 99.9% of the people that are backing him or his team do not agree with his thoughts. Um, so that, that's, that's where you've got to come from, from all of this, you know, there's, there's the free speech arc, arc, um, side of it. But as you say, freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequence. Um, and yeah, I echo you. Hopefully that's something he learns again, as you said, with, 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 with Larson, you know, he was afforded an opportunity to, to learn and to work to repay and, and, and get back into NASCAR. Noah should be afforded the same opportunity, but as you say, the results that Noah has had this season, albeit in a car that is not very good, have not really in my mind given anyone cause to go out of the way to give him another opportunity after this so we'll just wait and see what happens you know um ultimately i hope as as you do that there's just learning from this and progress um but for me the positive from this is that the swift action from legacy motor club and nascar is in line with the progress that the sport has made over the last few years and hopefully that progress only continues um moving on from that because you know whilst we could go into the fact that it's odd that this has happened to a driver of the 42 car twice now um the 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 least we the the smallest amount that we talk about the situation the better so that it doesn't get echo chambered up into being even more of a wild debate than it already is on social media um but you know, just let journalists do their job, for God's sake. Um, yeah, don't don't attack journalists. My God, we're not journalists. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not. But also, you know, the journalists that put this out here, Daniel McFadden, you know, he was he does an incredible job, and does not deserve to be attacked by people that are trying to make excuses for an immature baby. On to the race itself. Um, incidentally, he uh, Noah was replaced this weekend by Josh Berry, who seems to be trying to drive for as many teams as possible this year. Um, got to catch them all. Got to catch them all, or at least the Chevy teams. If he drives for anyone else, it might be a little bit concerned. Oh, wait, no, he's driving Ford next year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, he didn't have a very good race. He ended up crashing early on. So that's kind of the last we'll talk about it. I just wish that Legacy had taken Gragson's name off of the car because it's not like he's injured. He's just a knob. Um, Christopher Bell got pole position um, for the race at Michigan this weekend. Uh, we got through stage one, which was won by Martin Truex Jr. And then halfway through stage one, rain. This is the year of rain for NASCAR. I believe I saw somewhere like 18 different weekends, including, you know, all-star race and, and all of that have been affected by rain in some way. I, I, I can't remember the last time there was a NASCAR season that was interrupted this much by rain. 
it, it's quite insane. Yeah, it's it's been pretty funny to see this year. I saw lots of funny gifs and memes going out on social media as a result. People said that NASCAR should put a fake schedule for 2024. Some other nature thinks it's going to it's going to make it rain where the race isn't going to be. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be racing in uh, Michigan this weekend. Oh, rain good. Oh, Psych, we're in New Hampshire. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- maybe they just need to introduce wet tires for super speedways. That can't possibly go wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure the vortex theory works anymore. <laughs> it's because Daryl really isn't weird. there anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's because they left. They, they got rid of the tobacco as much. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, up until the race was uh, postponed on Monday, it had been chaotic. Uh, in, in the stage and a half that we had, we had already seen crashes for Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Josh Berry, with all but Christopher Bell out of the race as a result. For Chase Elliott, that was particularly huge. It looked like he had a right rear tire go in the middle of turns one, turns one and two. And mm-hmm. in the position where he's in, where he's having to point his way back into the championship as it stands after missing a lot of the races at the start of the season due to his broken leg and then another race for deliberately wrecking Denny Hamlin. Yes, he did deliberately wreck him. I don't care what any Chase Elliott fans say. Um, It's costly, especially as this could have been one of his better chances of getting in. Whilst he's good at road courses, over the last few years, he's been kind of lackluster as more and more people have gotten up to speed with it. Especially when you consider that SVG's back next week. Mm-hmm. It's not a full Yeah. And Kamui Kobayashi. I mean, Watkins Outside. Glen might be a bit more of an example for it, or a bit more of a chance for him because it's a track he's gone well at in the past and there aren't as many road course ringers going there. But even so, y- y- there are a lot more drivers who are a lot better at road courses now. So that, that takes a chance for him away. And then you've got Daytona, which, yeah, it's a chance for him. But equally, it's the best chance for a lot of other people. You can't yeah. count on Daytona. And that's the only three races left before the playoffs begin. Uh, next week at Indianapolis, the week after at Watkins Glen, and the week after that at Daytona. That's it. And he now sits, I believe it's 55 points below the cut line. He needs a win at this point. He needs a win, surely. When, when he crashed, I heard... I felt a great disturbance in the force of a great many voices crying out and screaming implications. That was just Dawsonville, wasn't it? <laughs> because it, 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 no fault of his own. No, his tire blew, mm. and he he racked out a really hard hit. So it's good to see him get out of the car as well. Um, like you said, it puts him in the toughest spot imaginable. The Hendrick cars of late. They've been struggling for just the outright pace. We've seen the Toyotas and especially the Fords of RFK just really come on strong. And, you know, the dominance we saw from Hendrick earlier in the year, especially with other cars like Byron um, and Larson, they just don't have that speed anymore. Like, if anything, they have it for the start of the race and they all fall off. It, it's really interesting to see how the speed and power dynamics have changed throughout the season. And, you know, we'll get onto it later, but Ford, RFK. They're doing work. Yeah, it's it's Ford and Toyota that are really leading the charge over the last few races. And a similar story for Chase Elliott before was that of his teammate Alex Bowman. He had a crash once the race was resumed on Monday, which now leaves him 44 points below the cut line. We're, we're looking at potentially having two Hendrick cars eliminated from the playoffs. 
or not even getting into the playoffs, I should say. It, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a bad situation for them. It, it, you can't put it any other way. I mean, the old NASCAR fan in me goes, cries no, but the motorsports fan in me cries yes, because we'll have more variation in, in the playoffs if, if half the Hendrick teams don't get in. Uh, it, it's really it's this NASCAR couldn't have had this go any better. as far as like anticipation, like will they, or won't they get into the playoffs? Cause it's NASCAR's most popular driver. Everyone's going to be tuning into these next three races to see can chase pull one out of a hat, get a dub so he can make the, the championship push. You know, it, it's really, really going to be interesting to see. Like you said, he's not as dominant on road courses anymore. Everyone's up their games tremendously on road courses and the road course programs, you know, not, not just the cars, but the drivers too. Not even just between chase and AJ Allmendinger, everybody's legit good at road courses now. Um, you know, then restrictor plate tapered space or track, whatever you want to call it. That's just a wild crap shoot. Who's who's there. Will it rain there again? Who knows? Um, the race would resume, as I said, on Monday, uh, today, at the time of recording, a couple of hours ago. Um, and, you know, being a race that had been postponed in some way to Monday, and given the fact that he won stage one, immediately I was thinking, well, Martin Truex is going to win this. Um, however, well, stage two was amazing, quite frankly. He drove back through the field. Um, after making a pit stop earlier on in stage one, in stage two, he drove back through the field to get a photo finish stage two victory, um, which was really, really cool. Um, however, despite the rocket of a car he had, he ended up uh, running second to Chris Buescher in the closing stages of stage three and wasn't quite able to get to him. Um, he got right back to, he, he, he got right up to him. Um, Truex had a slip um, uh, slip up and fell about two seconds behind. Then over the closing few laps, he managed to pull right back to him again, but he couldn't quite get him. And as such, Chris Buescher won back-to-back races, Richmond and Michigan in a row, two completely different tracks, yet RFK were quick at both of them. As, as you alluded to earlier, they're in a bit of form right now. Yeah, like massive props to Buescher and RFK. We know where they where they've been the past couple of years. You know, even before Brad joined the team as part owner, uh, Roush, Roush Fenway, now RFK, they struggled, quite honestly, trying to rebuild that program. You know, it's been almost 20 years since that program was legitimate and fighting Hendrick every week with five cars. You know, so it's really great to see them coming back. And then, you know, just I feel like Kevin Harvick passed his closer gene to Chris Busher. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because he's just closing out these races. He's not dominating these. I guess he kind of dominated Richmond a bit, but like he's put under pressure late in these races, and he just holds steady, holds off all challengers, even if they're faster than him. He's just mad props. You can't teach that. That's that's given. That's earned. And he's he's proving why he was an Xfinity champion and why he was such a highly rated driver coming out of there, and why Roush has fought to keep him there this whole time yeah so yeah massive props to them they well deserved i think the the amount of years that chris busher was in cup series in unfit equipment we should say kind of made a lot of people forget about how good he is as you said he was an xfinity series champion who beat chase elliott to a championship you know he he's fucking good 
and and now he's in this stage of his career where he's had so many years on the grid he's been around for ages and people have maybe been saying is he good enough to be here and now he's got equipment that he can perform in he's showing yes he is good enough to be here uh, it, it's it's very similar in a way to to other drivers that are on the grid that had a long time before getting wins martin uh, truex like martin truex you know it, perfect example you know he these drivers just need the, the, the cup series there's a lot of things wrong with it i would say but what you can't deny is that most of the grid is really really good like it's yeah. another level like nascar competition in itself is tough but then when you get up to the cup series it can be so hard to stand out amongst everybody else amongst the other team amongst the other drivers and people like chris busher are a testament to that so yeah, yeah it, i'm so, i'm so happy that a driver as a, a couple of a couple of years ago you would say one of the most unlikely drivers is now in this form of his life all of a sudden <laughs> A couple of years ago, I'd be like, hey, is that Ricky Stenhouse? Oh, wait, no, it's that other guy who replaced him. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, yeah, that's so so cool for him to get the to get the second win of the season firmly in the uh, playoff picture. And with Brad Keselowski finishing fourth, I think, I think it is fair to say that Roush, Fenway, Keselowski are back. Yeah, I, I think people should really be paying attention. They should they could be a real dark horse for the championship because you know like we see said last week about richmond when one car's running good they're both running good right now they're both running really freaking good at short tracks now big tracks busher's a very underrated road course racer and we know that him and brad at super speedway tracks are lethal they've got the whole package they they're getting it done. So we'll see if they can keep up the momentum for the next thirteen weeks. Something like that. Yeah, they they can do it. And yet another win for Ford at Michigan. It looked like this might be finally the year where it, it goes. But I, I think the last time a non Ford driver won at Michigan, Kyle Larson was still in the forty two you know. Um <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, just cool, basically. Martin Truex finished second to further extend his lead in the regular season championship. He leads by about 56 points over Denny Hamlin, who finished third. Hamlin bounced back after stalling on pit road, I believe, um, yep. in the second stage, or had they started the final stage by that point? I think it was the caution between the second and third stage. Yeah, so hell of a drive from him. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, as we said, capping off a great day for Roush Fenway Kozlowski, finishing fourth, with Kyle Larson finishing fifth as the highest-placed Hendrick Motorsports car, and the only one in the top five, because, as we mentioned, Chase Elliott retired due to an accident, William Byron retired as a result of the damaged vehicle policy, and Alex Bowman had a crash late on, um, which put him down in 33rd. Not a good week for Hendrick at all. So it'll be very no. interesting heading into the final three races to see who makes the playoffs. Um, at the moment, as we said earlier, Bubba Wallace has a cushion of 58. Uh, I had it right here. Uh, 58 points over the cut line with Ty Gibbs, just three points above the cut line in the final position to transfer through to the playoffs with Michael McDowell, three points behind. Now, where is Michael McDowell good at again? 
Oh yeah, road, road courses, courses and restrictor places. Oh yeah, this is gonna it's gonna work well for him, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, just really interested to see this cut line over the next three weeks, and yeah, as to whether Chase is gonna get a win, whether anyone else below the cut line can get in. Bowman's very good at restrictor plates as well. Almondinger is traditionally good at road courses if the core league's quick enough. It's going to be an exciting next three weeks. Um, yeah. Also at Michigan, we had the Xfinity Series. John Hunter Nemechek claimed a 200th win for Gibbs in the Xfinity Series, despite having been uh, spun by uh, Gibbs's grandson uh, earlier on. Oh, oh, well, actually, no, I, I would well, say he, he, John he, Hunter he was pushed that. into Gibbs. Um, which was a yeah, bit awkward. Looked, it was just an awkward, I call it an awkward racing incident. They were all being clumsy all over each other. You had the 19 behind the 20 who was behind, no, the 18 behind the 20 who was behind Ty Gibbs and looked like Gibbs may have slipped up a little bit. So then the 20 and the 19 were, or 18 were checking up and then they just all tagged each other and ended up with the 18 crashing out. And the other two going for a spin. And then we saw uh, Ty Gibbs throw a little uh, temper tantrum and a half, uh, both over the radio and on the racetrack, which I, I think is very unbecoming. But uh, Not unsurprising. You know, yeah, not unsurprising. It, it, it belies the uh, quote-unquote maturity that he claims to be exhibiting, or at least that he seems to be exhibiting on Sundays. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We had it pointed out to us by uh, uh, one of our teammates who was watching the race with us that Ty is doing a really good job in the Cup Series right now of learning, staying in contention for the playoffs. He, as we said a minute ago, he's three points above the cut line. He's still in contention and is improving every week, and he's staying out of trouble. Um, but whenever he gets an Xfinity car, he seems to return to how he was last year, wrecking people, getting angry, being antagonistic. It's, yeah... It's a difficult one. I, I think he's another one who needs to have a lesson in maturity. Um, maybe not to the same level as Gragson, but yeah, I, I, I'd like to see maybe in his second season, there be a little bit more growth in that regard. Um, but we'll see. Um, as for John Hunter, you know, they, yes, he took uh, the 200th win for JGR, but he spent the entire victory interview apologizing about the tie incident. So I, I don't know how much of that was him trying to ingratiate himself with, with Gibbs, considering there's rumors of him moving up to the cup series next year. Um, but yeah, it just looked weird optics wise. Nevertheless, despite all of that, it was a good weekend for Gibbs, uh, his fifth victory of the season. Um, as, as we said, as I just said, you know, in the conversation to move up next year, be it with Gibbs or be it with Legacy, it, he, he's putting together a really good season. It's just a shame that it kind of got overshadowed by that incident with Ty. Um, yeah, we, we've seen this the past few years in Xfinity, at least the last three years, just somebody goes on a tear in Xfinity, then they get promoted up to Cup. We saw with Chase Briscoe, he had an eight-win season promoted up to cup with Stuart Haas. We saw Gregson eight win season last year gets promoted up to cup until he ruins it. And now this year, John Hunter, you know, he's on five wins seasons, you know, just over halfway done. He could get eight and get promoted up to cup. So it, it seems that there's this consistent pattern with these Xfinity winners. Like if they just tear it up, they get moved up. 
which is good. It's merit based, at least optics wise. Mm. It's hard to believe that John Hunt has already been in Cup, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep forgetting that, but he was quite anonymous then, but he's he's driven really well, so I'll be interested to see what he can do with a bit more support behind him this time. He, um, he's definitely extremely talented, but like we just said with Ty, he also needs some more maturity, mm. given his past antics, and most notably the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, which is just diabolical. Yeah. But he, he, maybe he's the example of one that's had the maturity thing and has learned from it, and and maybe this whole experience of being dropped from Cup and then having yeah. to fight to get back to it, you know, maybe it takes hardship to 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 form that kind of outlook, appreciation, and appreciation for it. Yeah, so so maybe he's an example of where drivers like Noah and Ty could learn from their mistakes and firings perhaps but we'll see only time will tell um nascar will be back in action this coming weekend at indianapolis on the road course um but also in action this weekend is the truck series they will be racing on friday actually also in indianapolis but at indianapolis raceway park and joining them for his first race on an oval will be shane van gisbergen oh boy now i'm not I don't, I don't think anyone is thinking that SVG is going to go and win that race. It's obviously his first oval race, his first time in a truck. It's it's going to be so... Whereas Chicago played so much into his wheelhouse, he was essentially driving a slower V8 supercar in circumstances that everyone else on the grid has never driven in. You know, This is going to be completely foreign to him. Um, I'm really excited to see how he does. But really, this this has got to be looked at as him building up ready for a potential full-time cup ride next year, which looks more and more likely as the weeks go on that that's going to happen. I, I think it's great that he's doing this just to, mm-hmm. to, to start learning now. You know, no, don't wait until you're on the big stage. Start start using the rest of this year to build yourself up. He, he's not going to have the experience of going through the ranks of... of Arca to trucks to Xfinity to Cup. He's going to be trying to get in straight at the top. So if he can have a condensed journey doing some truck races, hell, I'd even wouldn't mind seeing him do some Arca in Xfinity as well. Yeah. Just to kind of get a feel for what he doesn't know, then that'll help. I mean, we know he's extremely talented and we know he's smart, but what really spurred this on was that Triple Eight Racing gave him an ultimatum. They said, hey, you know, a week and a half ago, they said, hey, you have two weeks to decide what you're doing next year so we can have time to make our plans as well for next season. Mm. So he said, okay, well, especially after the, the bullcrap penalty that got given to him. Yeah. He's like, well, screw this. I'm I'm going to NASCAR. See I think going to to a short track is a really good move because it's, a, it's pretty similar to road course racing in terms of getting in a rhythm and getting in a flow um, instead of like more of the intermediate tracks, which I hope, like you said, he gets into trucks or, or Arca to at least try to acquaint himself with that style of racing. Um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that he's able to adapt quickly. We know he can adapt to almost anything at a very high level. And I hope he can continue to do that. I just don't want him to become a, a one hit wonder in the casual NASCAR fans eyes. I genuinely want him to succeed and succeed quickly. Like we saw with Scotty Mack, you know, Scotty Mack's rookie season in IndyCar was a little rough, 
you know, I wouldn't expect anything less for SVG having one year in cup. I hope he's given the time to acclimate to this different style of racing on an oval, but I, I have all the faith in the world in him. I, I don't want to be proven wrong. You know, I, I want him to be successful and to, to keep on seeing him succeed. Yeah. And I think if, and when he gets to cup series, I, I wonder whether in a sense, his upcoming dabbles in oval racing, and I'm sure this won't be the only one he has this year. I'm wondering whether that might help him decide as to whether he goes the cup route or whether he maybe looks at another series full-time in America instead, maybe IndyCar, who knows? But yeah. I think the, the luxury he will have provided he's in a team that can provide him the equipment. And if he stays with project 91 or track house next year, then he will. I think the luxury he has is that he can spend his rookie season learning and concentrating on learning because he knows when he gets to the road courses, he's going to win or at least be in a good chance of winning and be in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. So he's got, he can afford that luxury, you know, in, in this, in this scenario in NASCAR where despite the fact that I hate it, you win and you're in and you don't really have to worry about anything else so long as you win and you, you, you can yeah. finish last every other weekend. If you win one or two races, you're certain you're going to be in when it matters. He can fully concentrate on learning and, if he does, like, we don't know where he's going to race. I would say logically he's going to stay with Trackhouse uh, if they can get a third charter. Um, he's going to learn a lot. And and I, I'm just so excited to see his learning process on ovals. Yeah, I think the biggest thing will be which cup team actually picks him up. Mm. That'll be the biggest determining factor in how quickly he acclimates and how successful he'll be. Like I know the next-gen car has been a big reset button, but he if he goes to a, a lower team, you know, I don't mean to, to pick on them, but if he goes to a Rick Rare Racing, he's not going to do that well versus if he goes to El Childress, a track house, you know, what, what have you, like an actual team that has winning pedigree or winning potential. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So yeah, we, we will um, update next week as to how Shane got on. Um, if he ends up winning. <laughs> I, again, I don't think he's going to. But can you imagine if he did? <laughs> Holy shit. I think the world the, would explode. The amount of smugness on my face will not be able to be wiped off for weeks. <laughs> he's probably going to get wrecked on lap one by like yep. Natalie Decker or someone. Like <laughs> he'll, he'll be wrecked by somebody trying to make a name for himself being trying to be fake tough guy like this is nascar racing herders like no you're just an idiot <laughs> yeah and what a time to join to make your nascar truck debut in the first race of their playoffs <laughs> i, on a I, short I track. am scared i didn't realize it, it was i forgot it was the trucks that's just a crap show i'm yeah. sorry the best thing he can do in that race is run around on his own and just learn it doesn't really care about the result. And I'm sure he doesn't care about the result. It's just about acclimatizing to oval racing. But so long as he can complete as many laps as possible, I think it'll be considered a worthwhile process for him. But he is in an East Motorsports truck, and they're pretty quick. So who knows? Can only hope. Yeah. Uh, final thing we'll talk about tonight, SRX, very briefly, because Paul Tracy wasn't there, and therefore it wasn't um, a shit show. Really good race at Berlin. Um I've never seen any racing at Berlin. What a unique track. I, I really yeah. like how different it is. I 
I'm going to say it was the best SRA, SRX race I have ever seen. I've, I've watched all the races since the start of the series. This was the best one. It, it, it had all the clean, hard, but fun racing that we want to see in the series. And it was fantastic. You know, like, like the track was unique. The, the fans came out and drove, supported everybody. There was good, hard, but fair racing. I don't know what there wasn't to like. Like if every weekend can be like this, they're going to need a bigger TV deal. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the racing action was great. Kyle Busch ended up beating Kozlowski again for his second win out of two drives. Um, but the battle between him and Kozlowski was superb. Um, yes. The battle w- when you had in the final, in the feature race, you had Elio Castroneves pass both of them and disappear a little bit. And then there was the inevitability while well, he's burnt up his shit. And then, yeah. of course, Bush and Kozlowski come back by him. You had Newman working his way up there toward the end. You had multiple lanes. Drivers were passing people around the outside. Like, you know, crossover this is the short moves. track. It was super. This is the short track racing we're missing from the Cup Series. This is what, when people say our NASCAR's, NASCAR Cup short track package is broken, it's because it can't produce racing like we see here in SRX. 100%. You had tire fall off. You had comers and goers. You had actual racecraft being displayed with crossovers, not just slamming into the guys and then downshifting. And like this was short track race back to short track race this is what people are talking about you know this this was just a master class display of why it's so popular not just regionally in the south but all of short track culture in america you know and you got to see the very best drivers at that discipline do it you had peak of their powers kyle bush brad keselowski and then you have all the legends behind them they're on Elio Castro Nevis. It's just a fun show. And that's what the series is all about. It's all about, you know, I, I hope the ratings went up for this race and I hope ESPN's like, Hey, people like this. Let's uh, renew this for next year. Hope so. Hope so. So yeah, Kyle wish ended up winning ahead of Brad Kozlowski with Ryan Newman coming back late to take a podium. Marco Andretti finished fourth with one of the best strategies I've ever seen. He obviously, I feel like there was a, a, a sort of realization from him that he didn't necessarily have the speed to do well this weekend. So what he did is he spent two thirds of the race riding around at the back, way off of the pack, just saving tires. Cause there's no pit stops. You have to do the whole race on one set of tires. And sure enough, it's SRX. So there were some cautions, some deserved cautions, some of them being manufactured, but that's SRX mm-hmm. and then used his brand new tires basically to drive through the field from from 13th to f- 4th great strategy yeah great stuff um and, and again like, it's that's just I, I like the whole tire conservation element you, you there's not a caution and everyone's chucking tires at it you've got to be smart you've got to conserve your equipment you, you know your brakes and your tires you need to have them at the end of the race or you're just going to plummet i love all of yeah because because we saw like you said with elio there's tire fall off yeah if you you look your tires, they don't come back. You don't just cool them off and they come back. They're gone. That's, again, that's what cup racing is missing. I mean, it, petition to make these SRX cars just the full-time cup short track cars. <laughs> it was great. And Elio plummeted from leading uh, over halfway. I think it was around lap 60 of the 100 or something like that. And ended up finishing eighth. So, the, yeah, you, you've really got to be smart. You can't just tear through. It, it, it's really entertaining racing. Uh, the top five was rounded up by Haley Deegan, 
who um, said during the weekend that something had clicked for her and she had realized what was happening. And to her credit, she drove a great race. Uh, not, not just speed wise, but the way she was driving, the way she was racing people, she wasn't dumping anybody. You know, she's had a few little silly accidents here and there. She drove, she drove great. So hopefully this is a start of a turnaround for her as well. Um, hopefully she can transfer it over to trucks as well. Cause she's been quite disappointing. Um, but yeah, really, really cool. And I, I continue to love this series. It's, it's such a, it's not a guilty pleasure for me anymore. It's just really good racing. You know, where else can you see Kyle Busch and Brad Koslowski fighting Marco Andretti and Elio Castroneves, Haley Deegan and Ken fricking Schrader for wins. Um, sadly that was the last asphalt race of the season uh the final two rounds uh in the next two weekends will be at eldora next week and then lucas oil speedway in missouri the week after and um i think everyone is going to breathe a collective sigh of relief that tracy isn't racing like if he caused that much carnage on asphalt he did the same when he was on dirt the last couple of seasons so it's, it's going to be nice to see some good dirt racing over the next couple of weekends and some of the drivers we've got coming up who haven't driven yet. You know, we've got Matt Kenseth racing this weekend at Eldora, Austin Dillon. Oh, well, uh, Chase Briscoe has been confirmed to be doing this coming weekend at Eldora. Ron Caps, for fuck's sake, is doing this week <laughs> at Eldora. Who the fuck knows how he's going to do? Probably not well, but cool to see him there anyway. And then yeah. at, at Lucas Oil Speedway, we're going to have Jonathan Davenport, you know, free time, free time, late model to champion. He's great. Um, Clint Boyer is going to be back for Lucas Oil, as is Castro Neves, um, as is Ernie Francis Jr. You know, a staple of the last two seasons. He's going to be back for Lucas Oil as well. Mm. It's a shame that we only have two races left, but they're going to be great. I'm, I can't wait for them. I love yeah. this series. I mean, I, I know I wasn't the biggest fan of the series when it started, uh, when we spoke about it, but um, I look forward to Thursday nights. And like I said, oh, sweet. SRX is on. Let me go put that on real quick. Yeah. It, I'm excited to watch it. it it's just fun. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, yeah. Final two rounds. Uh, at the moment, Ryan Newman has 146 points and is leading ahead of Brad Kozlowski in the championship by 113. Uh, we're guaranteed Kyle Busch won't win Eldora or um, Lucas Oil because he's not racing. He was only doing those two races and he won both of them. So, um, yeah, excited. I, I would say Ryan Newman's... Actually, I don't know really how good he is at dirt. I don't remember him doing particularly well last year. So maybe this is a resurgence. I, I actually, I don't know whether Brad Kozlowski is very good either. Tony Stewart's probably going to win the last two races, but he's, he's, he's a <laughs> bit too far out of the championship picture. Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. So uh, tune in yeah. on Thursday for that. And we will be talking about it. I'm sure on next week's show. Um, that about brings this episode to an end next week. After several weeks in a row of just all the racing action we could talk about uh next week's gonna be a bit quiet because we've got aforementioned indianapolis for indycar and nascar cup and xfinity as well as the truck series at india uh, indy raceway park with shane van gisbergen um other than that there's not a lot that we usually talk about srx we'll, we'll talk about that but there's not much else so we'll see what we talk about next week um 
but I'm sure we'll make it entertaining anyway. If not, we'll just talk about marbles. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do an in-depth dive. We'll see. We'll see if we get towns and bell on to talk about marbles. For fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> but that that about does it for this episode. Um, JD, thanks for, back, for being back on again. Um, I almost said thanks back home again, me. but that we'll save that for next week. You're in India. <laughs> um, thanks to John as well for being on the uh, show earlier on. Um, hopefully, we'll get Greg back next week to talk about uh, the podium for Core Motorsport or Road America in the Mission Five yeah, Challenge. Um, we'll have some combination of me, Greg, you, JD, or or, or John, some kind of combination of that to talk about the racing next week. Hopefully we'll be back next week to talk about another win for Shane Van Gisbergen. And if not, it'll be entertaining anyway. Um, be sure to follow us on all the various social media channels at into the paddock. That's with the number two on Twitter, Instagram threads, uh, go to into the apex.com to follow all of our sister channels on the into the apex podcast network. You can also follow us individually on our social media channels. I'm at J groves one nine nine six on Twitter threads and Instagram. JD, you are at, uh, YouTube JD55 Sim Racing. Post clips from my Sim Racing highlights. Excellent. And um, as we mentioned earlier, John is at JavikJE on Twitter and at John Javicki on Instagram. Greg is at SpeedRat Racing on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, I believe. So be sure to follow him um, for various behind the scenes shots from Core Motorsport in the Mission Pilot Challenge. That does it for this week. Join us next week. Until then, goodbye. For listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.